welcome to Reimagine Hybrid Work, a Data for Betterment Foundation podcast. I'm your host, Maribel Lopez. I'm the founder of Lopez Research and the nonprofit, the Data for Betterment Foundation. The foundation's mission is to help individuals and companies prepare for the future of work by understanding how technology will change business and careers. If you like this episode, please visit reimaginehybridwork.com for links to follow the show on your favorite app and subscribe to our weekly newsletter for additional show content and articles. You can also find me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Maribel Lopez and my blog on lopezresearch.com. I hope you'll enjoy the show. and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez, the founder of Lopez Research and Data for Betterment Foundation. And I'm here with today's guest, Sarah Shin. She is the Chief Diversity Officer at Cloudera. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Maribel. So as an industry analyst, I'm always on the hunt for new information. And I see that Cloudera recently completed a study called Limitless, the positive power of AI, which I thought was a fabulous title. Can you tell us about this study and what the focus was? Yeah, you know, there was a statistically significant study in that there were thousands of folks that we talked to both as decision makers and knowledge workers. And so those are the the big, great new words for employees and, and management. And what's fascinating is, you know, this all came about because of, we're all seeing it, right? The great uh, the great resignation or the big quit people are calling it. So if you're on LinkedIn, I just, it's just constantly in my feed. I'm very excited to announce that I have, right? And so everyone knows someone that has just decided through this terrible last two and a half years that life is just too short and I have to go do what makes me happier. I have to get out of this toxic environment that I'm in. And so what's really interesting is we put our arms around that and and did some statistics of our own and we partnered with an external firm to do the study. But what we found is more and more as the workforce of the boomer starts to retire or are retiring, I think the sad second bullet point is I don't know how many white collar workers we've lost to COVID or long haulers, but that's a segment that is leaving the workforce. And then you have the bulk of your workforce, which is Gen Z, Gen Y, and millennials. And I know some of us took a hard swallow after. This is the bulk of our new workforce. And they're bringing with them some very strong values. And so what our study found is they are willing to make less money to go work for somewhere or someplace where they're really putting the money where their mouth is. It's no longer, I just want to work for a company that's successful. I want to make sure that they're doing the right thing. I want to be a part of that. And so, you know, this study basically confirmed what we're all kind of hearing and seeing through social media and our friends and family. One of the things I've been talking a lot about in the Reimagine Hybrid Work podcast is this discussion of what work looks like now. I think after everybody went home, they really got a good opportunity to maybe spend more time with family, create some new habits, think about uh, commutes and other things differently. So I absolutely can see why you conducted the study and and what the need is. And we talked to our customer base at Lopez Research quite a bit about the great resignation and how do we think about attracting and retaining talent. So could you please share with us some of the top takeaways from the Positive Power of AI study? Yeah, you know, what's interesting, you know, one of the things we learned is, you know, we heard 
with trepidation about AI and AI is going to be taking over our jobs. And what we found is that's actually not the case, right? Where AI has come in, it's been able to free up employees to do more strategic work, more planful work, and take away some of the rote work. And so, you know, who doesn't think, oh, if only I could spend more time on this rote work? No one, right? We want to we want to spend time with smart people running up a hill, figuring out better ways to do work. And so interestingly, that's that's what we found. I, I also have a personal example with AI. You know, if you run a survey and got a survey back, and we do an engagement survey, and you go in and you see what that AI has done to map the questions because they like to bucket them for you, we've had to go in and and <laughs> We remap all of them. And what I've told everyone, I'm like, you should not be afraid of AI. You should not be afraid of AI. They are not here to take our job. So my personal anecdote, but also, you know, the study also found that it's allowing people to do more interesting work. Yes, I want to do the mundane said no one ever. ever. (laughs) So there's a lot of other really interesting, crunchy things. You know, you called it the uh, the positive uh, power of AI. And if I recall, there was something like 77% of the knowledge workers said they thought AI could do good for the business, which I think is a huge turnaround from where we were with what you just rolled out, the what we called the Terminator example of AI. Mm-hmm. It was going to take over your jobs and, right. and kill you. Um, but there also you also mentioned the power of ethics and values that individuals are looking for ethics and values. So in the report, did you talk at all about some of the environmental, social, and governments goals? Yeah, what's interesting is not only is the workforce uh, almost demanding that where I'm going to spend my eight to ten hours a day, every day of the week, you know, giving all of my kind of energies to, you must do better, right? It's not, it would be great if you could do better. Uh, We also found that people, it's not, uh, people will work for an Exxon as long as Exxon is doing their part to offset or to do good things, right? And just to boil it down to the most simple language. We also found you know, you would think that, or companies, I guess, non-progressive companies think that, well, we we don't have the money or we really can't afford to make this type of investment to do that thing. But green, actually, people are making decisions. Consumers are making decisions to spend more money so that they can have a green product. And so what we learned is the revenue is actually goes up when you when you make these decisions to do right, or, you know, some companies have got a zero footprint goal. Um, When I worked at Apple and Hewlett Packard years ago, they had already rolled out these carbon neutral footprints. And so companies that have made this an imperative have actually seen better revenue. They are more profitable because people have a choice. And we are seeing that not only the employees, but the consumers are making that choice. One of the things we're talking to a lot of uh, our customers about right now is this concept that uh, they're not 
these two goals can be aligned if you do them the right way. And it's very important for you to have sort of a baseline to understand where you are today and a plan to achieve some of the very substantial goals that these organizations have rolled out. And I pulled up the study, it's right in front of me here, and it says almost two-thirds of business decision makers and more than half of knowledge workers state that currently their business does not do enough to give back to the communities, both internal and external, that it serves. Additionally, 26% also put increasing investment in ESG ahead of developing new products and services or accelerating financial growth. So I think both of these data points really highlight that social responsibility is top of mind for both managers and for employees. But it's also around diversity and inclusion. And I believe the study also touched on that as well. Any comments on thoughts around what's happening in the diversity and inclusion landscape as it relates to AI? So what we found is uh, data is so important now. So employees uh, or knowledge workers and decision makers are are now realizing it's not enough to just say that we're, we have lofty goals or we have um, metrics that we're trying to meet. They're actually holding businesses accountable. And so what I can tell you is what's fascinating when I put my personal work hat on, we have 15 companies that are customers of ours that actually will not do business and write contracts with us if we do not show them specific measurable increases in our investments in DE&I. And as a DE&I practitioner, that is music to my ears, right? Like a few years ago, it was like, do you have a diversity program? Yes. Okay, we'll do business with you. Now it's, I want to know what your investment was when you started. And I want to know what the growth plan is. I want to see what your leadership teams look like. And we are seeing this. More companies are requesting this. And more companies are getting more and more specific down to what is our supplier diversity program look like? You know, who who are we partnering with to keep the building maintained or, you know, and back in the days of lunches, who are we partnering with? Do we have a diverse and inclusive supplier program? So we're seeing that and what employees and or knowledge workers and decision makers, they're saying, if you have the data, you need to use that data and you need to use that data for good. Makes absolute sense. We're actually seeing some similar trends. I know a lot of the companies I'm dealing with have very specific targets for making sure that they're dealing with companies that have uh, ESG initiatives, DEI initiatives. So it's it's good to see that happening. And it actually forces us to think a little bit differently in our organizations about what we're doing. So with the research that you've created uh, there are so many potential opportunities. And as you think of what you've learned, can you share any insight on how you think organizations can leverage these findings? And I'm going to put a link to the research in the show notes. Yeah, it's a great question. I think what what I could say, my personal experience professionally is we have moved from a, we should do this because people are looking at us to we really do recognize that this is the right thing to do. And I've had some business leaders just tell me, we're going to start demanding diverse and inclusive members of our team as we hire. Um, 
And, you know, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think sometimes you can see some interesting behaviors that happen in the organization. But listen, we are at a place where all of the data from Bain to Harvard Business Review to McKinsey to Deloitte, it's all the same. And it's interesting. I did a talk yesterday. So I've been talking about human performance in the workplace since <clears throat> early 2000s and late 90s. And I went back and I looked at, I usually have just two slides that I show people about why people stay and why people leave. And moreover, those that stay, why they really get engaged and really kind of knock it out of the park. And what's fascinating to me is we have new words that we use now, like um, engagement and inclusivity. We didn't use them back then, but it's exactly the same. Humans have not changed, right? We have not changed at all. Uh, I think what is changing is the generations are getting more savvy. And, you know, if you can climb on my shoulders for the small gains that I've made so that you can reach higher, I just think that's fantastic. Our next generation is actually showing up. The millennials are showing up and saying, this is what we're willing and not willing to work with. And like, candidly, it gives me goosebumps. One of the things that I think is so powerful about where we're moving with this is the concept that when you think of moving forward, you want to create products and services that work for everybody. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you need to have representative voices of everybody. <laughs> and therefore, that to me, if you were looking, you know, take, take aside whether or not it's the right thing to do, just even as a business professional, if you want to have the greatest chance of success, you can do that by making sure that You've represented all the parties that should be at the table. And so I'm so excited about that because I think to our earlier point, we can pull together things that are right and things that are profitable. So back to, you know, when I think of AI for good as well, one of the things I think about in hiring is the opportunity to try to find uh, latent skill sets in resumes where we might not have selected somebody uh, because they didn't use exactly the right term. Now we have the opportunity to go back in and say, hey, it seems like this candidate may have the skill set. Let's interview them and figure out if it's a fit. So I'm really excited about the opportunities. I know that we have some challenges, but I think we can use tech for good or tech for bad. And I'm really hoping that we choose good on this one. I normally like to close the podcast with a bonus question, which is around if there is a book, podcast, activity that you'd like to recommend to the audience? Any suggestions, Sarah? You know, I this was this is right on my um, desktop right now. And I recommend it so highly. A lot of times if you say, okay, I'm going to I'm going to do some self learning, and I'm going to better myself about race, you can kind of get some there's some rough stuff you're going to have to wade through. And it's a tough read. But so my recommendation is race talk by Dr. Daryl Wing Sue. And it talks about, you know, how to understand and facilitate different, different dialogues. I love it because it gives you actual practical ways to handle the situations. I think one challenge that I think a lot of us have is we're afraid to say the wrong thing. We don't want to offend someone. And this book actually, um, he was the guy that came up with the definitive definition of microaggressions. This book actually walks you through what to do in those situations and very simple and accessible um, sort of instructions. And so I like that you can immediately put it into action. 
That's wonderful. Thank you, Sarah. We could all use a bit more uh, practical application of things in our lives. You've been a great guest. I look forward to having you again on the show. Thank you so much, Maribel. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please visit reimaginehybridwork.com to subscribe to the show and the newsletter. Until next time, wishing you all of the best in everything in life and in technology. Thank you.